0: Stand with me if you would. Hold your Bibles up. I'll give you a little bit of time since I know you're drenched in your spirit. Anyway, so, say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, so glad you decided to make your way here today. It's always fun to know that there, uh, it rains on Sunday. And so uh, glad you're here. This message today is a signature message uh, for me. Uh, it's a message I have uh, lived and had in my heart for a long period of time. And uh, we'll continue to have this message in my heart because it's, it's a lifestyle message. And uh, I've been talking about time. And today I'm going to talk about uh, making time to magnify the right things in our lives. Um, how many of you know that when you put a magnifying glass, which I, I actually went out and bought one. My grandmother had one of these when I was a kid uh, growing up. And, and they were very lower, middle class, wonderful people. Uh, and she was special to me, so I'd go visit her. She'd had a magnifying glass by her chair, and so when she would read, she had the magnifying glass. And I always thought that was weird because I had 20-20 vision, I thought it was just weird that somebody had a magnifying glass. But what it did was it helped her see what she wanted to see because whatever we magnify, whatever we make bigger, is typically what we focus on and what we follow. So if you magnify pain or you're magnifying something in your life that, Is hindering you, then you will live a hindered life because you're magnifying it. Now, I'm not saying that we ignore pain or we ignore guilt or we ignore things that come with consequences, but what I am saying is uh, there is a reason the Bible says magnify the Lord. And I grew up in a very rigid uh, church, uh, denominational church, that was driven by works. People determined whether you were a Christian or not, not by your faith or confession in Christ but by how you acted. And uh, how many of you know that uh, Christians still can act real stupid? Yeah, don't get too loud. Uh, you know, we think we got this all dialed in, and, you know, we, we it's us against the lost instead of us for the lost. How many of you know Jesus didn't come because he was against the lost? He came because he was for the lost. And so we've created this chasm between us and and, and lost people, and, and so we I grew up, and that's the kind of church I grew up in. was It was us against the world, have nothing to do with the world, and yada, 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 and, and then you have to define what the world is and what it looks like and how they behave, and, and many of the things that we were against, God wasn't against, uh, you know, but we, we found Scripture that we could support and twist to make Him against it like we are, and, and we did all these funky things in the name of God, and I don't think it was with a bad heart, but it was with a really weak mind. And so uh, we began to magnify those things, and when I got born again, um, you know, we, uh, I had to join that tribe of people that now I went from wearing one uniform of the lost to the uniform of the saved and didn't know how to do that. And so, I, and then we, you know, every, if you didn't go to the altar every Sunday when there was an altar call, you were probably a heathen. I mean, list goes on. And then the one thing that we sang hymns, and, and you gotta, I, you got to, I love a lot of hymns. I really do. I, I think a lot of them, I wish we did more of them sometimes because I think, you know, It Is Well With My Soul is one of my favorite, Amazing Grace. Uh, so many hymns that I love uh, will fly away. Oh, glory, we'll fly away. Some of y'all are feeling it right now. And, um, you know, there's a little shimmy, shimmy going on. And, uh, and so, uh, but then I I began to venture out because I felt like, and I, I didn't have enough knowledge here, but I had enough desire here in my heart to know I needed to pursue God. I wanted more of God. And so I began to look outside This little denomination I was a part of. And again, I'm not being critical of them. They they were doing the best they could, but it wasn't enough for me. And so I I, I found the wave that was going on at the time, late 70s, early 80s, uh, in what was called the charismatic movement, which was a life-giving movement. And uh, it became yet another denomination over time that said, play by our rules and get our results. And I just believe I'm going to play by God's rules and not man's rules. I'm going to play by the word of God, not the word of man, and decided to create my own relationship, but we, uh, what I loved was we started doing what we called worship songs. They weren't hymns anymore, baby. We're worshiping, you know, And, and of course, I remember the time they criticized the church I was in for saying, you know, we were singing about God, not singing to God, and We need to sing to God, but we also need to sing about God. So sometimes we create either or instead of both and. And I don't believe either is wrong. But there was a song that I'll never forget. Oh, magnify the Lord, uh, for he is worthy to be praised. And so at that time, I didn't realize the power of the one word, not Lord, though I knew the power of that word. Didn't know the the power of, oh, magnify the Lord. In other words, make the Lord the biggest image in your heart and mind every day. Because if you don't, what happens to you will overshadow what he's done for you. So if something happens to you, if somebody wrongs you, something bad happens to you, it, it, somebody pulls out in front of you, somebody hits your car, you begin to magnify what happened. To you, that I can't believe that happened to me. It's going to be an inconvenience. It may cost me a little money. It's going to cost me time. So I begin to magnify that problem instead of saying magnifying the Lord and say "Lord, thank you that nothing bad happened to either one of us. It's just a car." Now you have to know how big that is for Mark Crow because something happens to my car. It's like a part of my person, and uh, so I've overcome that over time. But I've had to learn what that means to magnify. The Lord, because too often we magnify our guilt, we magnify our mistakes, we magnify our sins, we magnify rejection, we magnify all the things that someone's done to us. And gradually it drains our soul of our relationship with the Lord. Doesn't mean we're not going to heaven, but the devil knows he can't take my salvation, but he can if I allow him interfere with the joy and peace I possess on earth. Because the Bible says in His presence is fullness of joy. So if I magnify Him and I exalt Him and, and I can live in His presence, the problems that happen around me uh, become smaller and He becomes bigger. And so I have to intentionally design my life in such a way to magnify Him instead of magnifying my issues and my problems. Not ignoring my issues and problems, but in magnifying him, sometimes it removes me from my problems and the guilt and the shame and the things I felt because I'm magnifying him. In other words, I'm being drawn to him uh, instead of driving myself away uh, from the guilt, sin, and mistakes. Now, I don't want those things in my life, but if you focus on them, there's a tendency for you to do them uh, because you're focusing on them. And it will steal the joy and the peace that you have in your life. Because we all have issues. And if you don't think you have issues, you have a bigger issue than those who acknowledge their issues. Because <laughs> there are some people you think you're as good as your mother said you were. And uh, that is just not the case. My mom, thought I was like the fourth in the quadrinity. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Mark crow And... So, I had to realize when I got older that my mom thought too highly of me because she didn't know all the things I was doing. And so, I had to realize that when I got born again, I needed to magnify God and keep him magnified and keep him enlarged in my life. So, whatever we magnify, we glorify, okay? So, that means whatever we magnify, we esteem. So if I magnify something or someone that I don't like, I'm esteeming them and I'm removing God or making God smaller in that equation instead of making him larger in that division. So there will always be people that don't like you. Some of you didn't know that and I'm sorry I had to tell you. Um, there will always be people who don't like you and and so oftentimes what we do if someone doesn't like us we magnify that dislike and we say i'm going to make them like me don't worry they're not worth it don't try to make someone like you if someone doesn't like you let them suffer alone don't enter into their suffering because it's not healthy i there there are people that i like less than other people but I'm not quite Will Rogers, but I have met people I don't like, and I'm, I'm just saying, God, I don't care if they like me, but help me to adjust what I can adjust in me to not let them become a vision in my mind every day that I, if I see someone with the same first name or last name as them, God, don't let me. Don't, I don't want that to be what I magnify I want to magnify you. I want to love you. And if somebody's face gets bigger than your face, that's not right. And, and I'm not saying it's a sin, but I'm saying that it, it's not healthy, okay? So we need to be cautious. The Bible tells us we should confess our sins, believe he cleanses us from guilty conscience, and even then be responsible for bringing, uh, when someone else is responsible for bringing you shame, the Scriptures urge us not to be ashamed, but to glorify God instead. And that's 1 Peter 4.16. You can look at it. So I want us to understand today that some of the problems we have are not as big as you think they are, but they seem big because every day you get up and you magnify them. You get up every day and you talk about them. You get up every day and you think about them. You get up every day and you meditate on them. And and certainly they're not something that may need to be ignored just all the time. But you can't allow those things to dictate what kind of day you're going to have. And that's what happens. And, And sometimes when you're trying to go to sleep at night, what happens when you lay your head down? You begin to think about all the things that didn't happen, all the things you didn't do, all the problems you do have, all the people you don't like, all the issues that you're dealing with, and that's why you can't sleep. And and so when I was a, a youth pastor, uh, I got caught up in the uh, uh, the music side of things because kids are real musical. and And I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember what they call backmasking. You remember that? It, Wow, we got a bunch of young people. Okay, I guess I'm the only antique in here. Um, so, I, I, but you could, you know, they would spin an album backwards and it would be a song, and then it would be Satan rules, or, you know, the devil is king, or, you know, they, they would try to play those backwards. Oh my gosh. That, that there's this hidden message in here, and our kids are going to go to hell, and they're going to get dragged down. You know, so I bought into that. I'm a youth pastor. I'm a good youth pastor. I'm like, okay, we're going to take care of this. So you you know you start talking more about what the devil backmasking is saying than what the forward message is saying, and and so we we started looking. Uh, I mean, looking for a devil behind every tree. And throughout those years, we magnified the devil by you know the devil made me do it. Flip Wilson, remember the devil made me do it. Remember that. I am not that old. Some of y'all need, you just were living in a cave. What's up? Did you not have electricity in your house? And so I, we, we, we talked about all the reasons. Some of you written now, have any of you ever gone to a staunch Denominational Church? Y'all are boring. Thank you back in the far left. I acknowledge you. All we talked about was how bad hell was going to be, how bad everything. And, and the whole sermon was to scare you. I mean, have you ever gone to a church that scared you? Thank you. Go ahead and lie to me right now. Help me out. Gee, I feel like I'm... Anyway, magnify, Mark, magnify. Magnify. So they talk more about hell than they did heaven, more about what the devil could do than what God could do. And so we had an album burning, you know, I, I had these kids bring all their secular albums. I was the pastor, baby. I, we're rocking it, you know. I'm thinking, I had these kids so convinced that they had to watch for everything, and I'm like going, all I really needed to do was show them how to fall in love with Jesus, trust Jesus, acknowledge Jesus, magnify Jesus, and all those other things would begin to pale in comparison to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's so easy. How many of you know it's so easy to find your own issues, your own problems, and it's really easy to find someone you live with and all their issues. I mean, you can write them down. You don't have to write them down. You can recite them. They're in you. Why? Because we're cre- we're fallen creatures that unless we receive Christ, we are not risen, the spirit that raised him from the devil quicken our mortal bodies. That when in Christ, we, ex- we get to experience some of the results and we have access to all the results that come with a risen Savior. But we don't magnify those things. When somebody gets sick, they don't talk about how they're going to get well. They talk about how they got sick and how it's going. If you're sick, that's enough. Say, I'm sick and now here's how I'm going to get well. I'm going to magnify what I'm going to do and the God who's going to help me do it. Now, this may sound like hype to you, but listen to me. It, we, we get stuck on regrets, and people say, what do you regret in life? No, I'm going to say, here are all the wonderful things that happened in my life and all the things that I'm so happy and happened, and I'm going to talk about those things. I'm not going to sit around and talk about my problems. Nobody wants to sit around and hear an organ recital Well, my heart's not functioning, my liver's bad, my lungs aren't working, I know. Yeah, I'm coming back to your house. What are we going to talk about next week? Your gout (laughs) instead of your God? Well, you know, I've had gout for a long time. It's really beginning to hurt, and here's what I'm doing. And and that also affected my ankle, and my ankle, I couldn't get up and walk. And I'm like going, oh, my gosh. And, well, let me tell you what happened to me. And all of a sudden, we've got an organ competition. Limbs going everywhere. Things going crazy. So what we have to do is we have to frame our day by magnifying how we want that day to look. And there will be obstacles along the way, but don't magnify the obstacles, magnify your God. I'm working on it. I'm doing my best. What we magnify, we glorify, we esteem, we hold it up. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it says, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through the border region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered one village, ten men approached him. But they kept their distance, for they were lepers. Now, back in the day, lepers were not allowed to integrate into society. They created what was called leper, lepers' colonies. And lepers lived in those colonies, and nobody could go in if you weren't a leper, and nobody could go out or at least get close. You know, they could bring food, leave it, and they'd come and get it, but you couldn't have contact or close contact. So they shouted to Jesus, Mighty Lord, our wonderful master. Now, this is interesting. They have lepers, and rather than magnifying their leprosy, they're magnifying the Lord in this statement, Mighty Lord, our wonderful Master. This is the introduction. They didn't say, hey, help us out, and we'll worship you. They began to worship him. As a result, he was about to help them out. Instead of bringing our issues to God, bring God to our issues. Instead of bringing your pain to God, bring God to your pain. In in other words, when we're now saying, God, you're first. I'm exalting you first. You're going to be the one I'm talking about first. Yes, sir. Won't you have mercy on us and heal us? When Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words, Go to be examined by the Jewish priests. They set off and they were healed while they were walking along the way. In that moment, as they're walking from the leper colony to the priest, they're magnifying God. And as they're magnifying God and doing what God said, God began to bring healing and cleansing and freshness to their bodies. One of the reasons we do church, it's not because we, uh, we just need a place to gather. It's we come to magnify the Lord, to set aside time to say, God, I'm giving you an hour to an hour and 15 minutes of my entire week to exalt you and magnify you. And here's what happens. Because churches are run by human beings... There will always be issues. I'm just name a few. Name a few. Some people go to high churches, and if you don't dress right, they look down at you. So you know that that they start magnifying how you look, how you dress, how you do. And, and well, I don't like what they wear. I don't like how they dress. I don't like. Eh, 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 eh. Now, all of a sudden, you're coming to a house to magnify God, but you start magnifying other people because you're human and you're insecure and you need to make somebody else look worse than you in your mind so you can look better in your mind. That's how come I don't have a dress code. Just wear something. And if you wear a robe, wear something under it. Please. And so we try to magnify the Lord, and we come in, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in and says, I don't like, I don't like the songs they're singing. Well, this is not about you. This is about God. Well, our song brings the Lord strength and hope and courage and God. We, I mean, whatever we sing, if it's edifying and lifting up God, you ought to be happy about it. Yeah, I'm happy about the words, but it's too loud. We're... We've got like ear corks for you, okay, Frankenstein? (laughs) Tolerate it for a minute. It's not all about you. We don't come to celebrate you. We come to celebrate God. Put yourself aside. Magnify Him. Quit magnifying your hearing, your ears, whatever it is you don't like. Magnify something good. You can find something good in everything, in everybody, everywhere. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I don't know, Pastor. I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're at dinner and you're talking about church. Well, you know, Pastor, this preached a little long today. was a little hard today, wasn't he? Oh yeah, and the music and and your waiter standing there going, yeah, I want to go to church. Yeah, right. Yeah, because we figured it all out and and we're magnifying humanity. We're magnifying the uh, the deficiencies of man, humanity, the flaws of humanity, and and. and so, what we have to recognize is there's something good in the people you're around today and, and isn't it funny that you 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 you're married to somebody and 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 you go uh wow that th- this really annoys me about them and, and usually it's one thing it's like well th- they do this, and it annoys me. Well, you forgot the other nine things that don't annoy you, but you're magnifying what annoys you, so you've forgotten the other nine things that don't annoy you. Why don't you magnify the good things?" Because when you magnify them, they are created in the image and likeness of God. They're a child of God. So you're criticizing someone God created. You're create- you don't criticize my kid in front of me. I'll take you out even though if what you're saying is true, they're still my kid. I'm going to magnify that. You don't let people do that. And yet we do it all the time to God's kids. Oh Yeah, you got that. that. That landed right over there. I'll give you some fragments over here. But we, we magnify all the issues in our lives. We, we're, we're so human. Our fallen nature has an easy time exploring guilt and finding guilt and finding shame and addressing sin. But we have to fight to address God and magnify God and the goodness of God and the glory of God. After being seen for two and a half years, I was preaching a conference in ukraine to a bunch of pastors and I, you've heard me tell the story i'm on stage i'm talking about david king david and, I'm, and i thought i was really doing great and all of a sudden i start crying at my own sermon i thought is it that bad but all of a sudden god began to address me and he said susan and i were dating and 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 i wasn't sure about getting married and i wasn't i and, and god said you're gonna love her the way i love you and then i start crying harder because I thought, I, I can't love the way you love. Your love is endless. Your love is unconditional. Your love is awesome. You're going to love her the way I love you. And I thought, God, I you're talking to Mark Crow. I am not Patty Cake Paul. I am Mad Mark. And you want me to love. And, and for the first time in my life, I realized what God was saying. He said, my people, the people I created, not my born-again people, but humanity in and of itself is selfish. We magnify what we want, when we want it, how we want it, who we want it from, and we begin to magn- The reason we got a problem here, the reason we have issues is because we want it our way, and we have an easy time identifying the things we don't like, the guilt in other people. We have personal prejudices, and we want you to acknowledge those instead of loving the people who are different than you. I am not going to get done. Okay, so coming back to this verse, when Jesus stopped to look at them, said, Go and be examined by a Jewish priests. They set off and they were healed along the way. Now, listen, one of them, a Samaritan, now don't miss this. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. It's like the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus was constantly using Samaritans to reveal to the Jewish people how good or the good in the Samaritans that they did not see. The Jews hated them. So they couldn't magnify anything good in the Samaritan people. So Jesus says, I'm going to magnify them until you see in them what I see in them. So you have to magnify, not the problems. I challenge you this week, every one of you, especially those of you who are married, I want you in your mind, shut your mouth. In your mind, I want you to think of one thing that your spouse or your living partner or whoever they are, I want you to think of one thing they do that just annoys you. And then I want you to shut up. And then I want you to think about the things that they do that bless you. And I promise you, you will find more things they do that bless you than the thing that annoys you, and quit magnifying what annoys you and start magnifying what blesses you, and you'll have a marriage and you'll be looking at each other going, we really do love each other, don't we? I knew why I married you, but that one thing I've been magnifying made me question why I married you, and I hope you keep doing it. You don't grow if everybody agrees with you. you. You never grow. You'll build your own little denomination. You'll have a, a wee few people call church. Come to We Church. We right. We good. We wee. And that's what we do. We magnify all the guilty things. You got it out. Man, when somebody walks in the room with one of these, leave. Hmm. I can see your problems. Because we do that. That's what we do. We magnify. What we glorify. And you've glorified something you should not have magnified. I'm glad you do. You need to get this needs to be contagious right here. Don't think about what people have done to you, what people haven't done for you. If you de- do, you'll stay where you are. You'll never get anywhere because you are focused on you. Listen. Daniel. In the Old Testament, remember the little story? If you've ever gone to Sunday school, Daniel in the lion's den. Great little story. But what we don't know is Daniel praying three times a day. Wasn't supposed to. Couldn't pray to his God. And, and there were tattletales in the land. And they saw Daniel. They went to the king and say, this little guy, he's praying to God three times a day. I think you ought to do the following things to him. Well, when Daniel was called before the king, he didn't say... Okay, I want to know who told you. Because that's the first thing we do. Is I, I, want to, I want somebody to be mad at. I want somebody to pay the price. I want these tattletales. I want to know who they are. Daniel's like, hey, what's up? I mean, that's my version. He didn't magnify the tattletales. He magnified his God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did the same thing. Bow down and worship. They said, we're not going to do that. Well, if you don't do that, we're going to throw you in the fire first. Listen, you can throw us wherever you want. If our God doesn't deliver us, he'll take care of everything. No problem. Really irritated the king. So he cranks the furnace up so hot that the people who threw him in were burned. That's how hot it was. And they go in and ask for marshmallows. and uh, <laughs> They're going to go make s'mores. Are you, are you done? Can you make it a little hotter? These aren't melting quite like we would like. Instead of magnifying the problem and the fire and, and, and the wrong that was happening to them, they decided just to magnify their God. And guess what? God says, I think I'll join you from some s'mores. Hallelujah. King looks down. They're not getting burned up. Matter of fact, he's so angry. And then finally, they pull him out, and he throws the people who accused him in. And these guys don't even smell like smoke. They didn't magnify the problem. They didn't magnify the wrong. They magnified their God. And therein were they delivered. You don't get delivered based on appealing to humanity. You get delivered based on appealing to a God who can deliver. People say, well, you know, I, I got bronchitis, I got this, I got that, I got this issue and that issue. Stop talking about what you have and start talking about who you have because who you have can take care of what you have. Changing stories, war stories, and horror stories, and 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 then the other problem is you magnify instead of looking and saying, "I know God's done some good things." Now there are some things I I struggle with. I I mean, you know, I look around sometimes, and I've always driven race cars. I started racing when I was 16, and so I've always had muscle cars and race cars. And finally, I went through a dip, and I had kids. How many know when you have kids, diapers take priority over cars. and I had more than any human being ought to. And so I, uh, I, I, things changed. Well, so for me, I look around, and if I'm not careful, I look and I say, I'm magnifying what you have instead of what God's done for me. Well, they look at their house, how big it is, how wonderful it is. And you start getting envious and jealous of what someone has, and you forget what God's given you. Well, you say, I live in a track shack. Thank God for it because some people are living under a cover. All you have to do is go pin an I-44, and you'll appreciate the house you live in. So what I'm saying is this. Magnify what God's done for you, and God will do more for you because you're magnifying what he's already done for you. But if you don't magnify what he's done for you, why would he do more for you? Because you don't even thank him for what he's done for you. You're magnifying what you don't have. I don't have that. I got a little bitty Kia with five dents everywhere. Nothing wrong with the Kia. They're looking pretty sexy nowadays. I just don't like the name. Hi, I drive a Kia. And some of you do, and you're going to get mad at me, and you're going to magnify it. Pastor talked about Kias today. Yes, I did. I'm giving you an opportunity to grow. <laughs> Isn't it fun to be free? Somebody can tell you anything you want to me, and, I mean, it's just funny. Susan, when we met, I had, uh, I had bought this turbocharged uh, little BMW, uh, little, one of those little B cars. She calls it a Shriner's car. And uh, it was just one of those little ones. I said, I can't believe I would have never gone out with you if you had had that. And I thought it was sexy, and it drove like a go-kart. It was fun. I could weave in and out of traffic. <laughs> so when I see one nowadays, I say, honey, I'm buying one of you, those for you at Christmas. I won't drive it. I'm not embarrassed to say I had one. I had fun. But see, used to that would have bothered me. It's so like I would have tried to convince her that they're really cool cars. I don't even care if she thinks they're cool. If I think they're cool, they're cool. <laughs> see, that's what you got to do. you got to think, if I like it, I didn't ask you if you liked it, and I didn't buy it for you, quite frankly. hey, 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 hey. See, we're so insecure that we're always thinking about what other people think or looking at what other people have. God kind of got on to Peter in John chapter 21, verse 20. He says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Jesus is reprimanding. Peter's magnifying the one who leaned back on Jesus, the one who Jesus loved, and the one who loved Jesus. And Peter's jealous, and he's magnifying somebody else. It's not Peter's issue. And you know what? What somebody else is doing is none of your business. You spend your whole time magnifying what everybody else is doing or not doing, getting or not getting, instead of saying, I'm going to magnify the Lord, and the Lord's going to show you all the wonderful things in your life, and you're going to thank him for it, and whatever's going on around you will not be near as important as what's going on within you. I'm having an experience with God. You see, we magnify our differences. When I first served in pastoral ministry, I started, and get this, this is really kind of funny, my first position was at St. Mark's United Methodist Church in Texas. I was Mark, therefore I had a real ego issue going, St. Mark has arrived. I wanted the parishioners to call me St. Mark, and I attend St. Mark's. It was a great thing, I'm just kidding, but. Anyway, i never served, never even attended a Methodist church. Don't think I ever walked into one. So I thought, I think I need to learn what, what's going on here. Because the church I grew up in, every other church except ours was going to hell. Yeah, because you, you don't believe what we believe. <clears throat> you don't worship the way we worship. And maybe not literally, but in our minds, we thought, we're, we're right. We're right. And some of you have been in those churches where you thought you were the only church that was right. And so I had to deal with these issues, thinking to myself. So I read, I read all the books of John Wesley, the Wesleys, and uh, the book of Disciplines, what they called it, which was their doctrinal statement in a book. And I read it, and actually, I got excited. I thought, man, I should have been a Methodist a long time ago. They could dance and experience God. If you even use the word dance, we called that the D bomb in the church I attended. You know, and, and then I found out that when you get saved, you don't quit dancing, you just change partners. And um, I'm, y'all are really slow today. I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm going to need to magnify the Lord. But the idea was it was so different because I, I grew up in such a judgmental church that if you burped at the wrong time, you probably needed to go to the altar. And so all of a sudden, I'm reading this Wesley book and talking about the Spirit of God and miracles. And I, I got so excited. And come to find out, all the, the board that I was, was serving the church, they I say, how many of you read this? None of them raised their hand. And I thought, so you just do religious things for no apparent reason? You're magnifying whatever? And, and, and the, so all of a sudden, I had to begin to think differently. I thought, well... I grew up teach, th- with the teaching that, you know, you, you, you dip, die, you baptize, you immerse, you take people under, they go sprinkle, sprinkle, and, and, and that, that's a big deal. You say, well, that is a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. I'm not saved because I'm sprinkled or dunked, showered or take a bath. I'm saved because I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and that is an outward symbol of an inward experience. I'm acknowledging the experience, not the expression. Now, I know we, baptism's good, and I think we should do it. I do. But, but, but we've made this, this statement that has divided families over whether they get baptized by dipping or. I'm thinking, I'm not going mag, to magnify the Lord. Let's magnify the Lord together. And yet we're divided on little bitty things that have no eternal difference. And I was one of them, I was a, I was a Pharisee, you see. And it was sad, you see. (laughs) You're getting there. (laughs) And so, (laughs) I had to, finally I had to go, okay, Mark, you've got, in order to serve these people, you're going to have to magnify the Lord, not the differences that you've had with this church. God put me in a Methodist church for a reason. I mean, I thought I was going to hate it. I ended up loving it. I cried when I left. Because what I realized, I can worship God anywhere I go. I can worship which opened the door for me later to to preach in the largest Catholic church in Tulsa. And Protestants would get mad and say, I can't believe you're going to a Catholic church. You know what I preached on? I preached on Mary saying, looking at the crowd saying, do what Jesus said. (laughs) Nobody can argue with that statement. And so I I acknowledged and honored Mary and gave glory to Jesus. And it all went well. Nobody threw stones at me. I didn't get hauled off. But I could never have done that before because I thought all Catholics were going to hell. And I met some really fine Catholics that were born again. And some of y'all are freaking out right now because you've been told a story. And I'm telling you, we don't get saved because we go to a certain church. We get saved because we accept a certain Savior. We don't have to fight about so many things that we fight about. We don't have to argue about so many things we argue about. If anybody ever gets out there theologically for me, I just bring it back to Jesus and say, you know, I just know that that the Jesus you say doesn't exist changed my life forever. And man, it's just awesome. I've had numerous conversations with atheists, and I've got to tell you, it sharpens me. It's, it's helpful to me. I hate it that, that maybe they don't know the God I know, but I tell you, there's some fine people, and I've talked to some Christians I never want to talk to again. No, I, I looked at this person, I said, I said, I don't mean to offend you, but if I just met you and didn't know you were an atheist, I would think you're a believer because you act like one. You see, we think just having the label Christian gives us free access to be stupid. And sometimes Christians don't act like Christians, which is, is a shame because we ought to be the kindest, most loving people in the world. We shouldn't be attacking others and magnifying the differences, but trying to find a common place where I can have a conversation that might attract you to the one I serve. I used to just really go after people. I felt like Josh McDowell, a Christian apologist, where you're constantly trying to defend the faith while you divide the community. Love never fails. Love takes a long time sometimes, but it never fails. Love never fails. That's what the Bible says. So I can't argue with the Bible. I don't know how it works all the time, but love never fails. And so I have to find this place where I'm saying, I'm going to magnify the right things. Everything is not black and white. So am I a Christian because I believe, or am I Christian because I work? I, people always use this line. Yeah, but faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So I. So do I. Do I work to get faith, or do I work because I have faith? Amen. That's right. I believe that, that we ought to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. I believe that. I, I believe that. I'm not arguing that, but my my real question is, why do I bear fruit? Do I bear fruit because I understand Christ, or do I bear fruit in order to impress Christ? Because I know for a fact there are lost people that act more like Christians than some Christian people that I have met. And I'm not trying to take sides here. I'm trying to help us see that we go around magnifying the differences instead of the possibilities. Jesus hung around with all the wrong crowds. All you got to do is read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm telling you, the reason the religious people hated him was because he was reaching the people and magnifying the possibilities in them instead of judging them for the way they were living at the time. That's right. Jesus never told Zacchaeus to get born again. Never said, son, you need to get saved and I'll come and eat with you. I ain't coming into your house till you get it right with my daddy. That's what they'd say in the country. Get it right with my daddy. No, Jesus said, today we're going to your house, and we're going to eat. Zacchaeus was so moved by the love and compassion of Christ that, that, that he said, look, I, I, I'm going to give all this. He said, I'm going to do all these. And Jesus sitting there didn't say anything, but he turned because Jesus was magnifying the person of Zacchaeus, not the thief of Zacchaeus. <sighs> Folks, I'd love to tell you this is going to be a breeze when you go home, but it's not. It is a task in that I have discovered in my life that I've got to magnify the creation, not the actions of creation. I've got to access and magnify the value of humanity, the value of all people, not focusing and magnifying the stupidity and the sin and the mess they've created but speak to the possibility that the destiny of God is resident in their life and if they will pursue that destiny, great things are going to happen. I don't have to say you're a horrible person and if you don't change, you're going straight to hell. I'm going to look and say you're an awesome person and the things God has for you, if you begin to function Him, you're going to have a life on this side of heaven that is impossible to believe right now. I wish I'd had. I had my son up here on the organ right now. William, we need a few more black people in here to help me out. I was preaching for Carlton Pearson one time up in Tulsa and had a big African-American church with my dear friend. And I tell you, I got up on stage and I start preaching, and all of a sudden I got a little excited, and I hear Oregon behind me, and I went, Yeah. <laughs> got me more excited, and I heard it again, and I went. Yeah, I've decided when I enter the gate, someone will say Jesus, you put a little color on the white boy here. Can we have an organ in my house and somebody knows how to play it, and I get up in the morning and we'll be shouting hallelujah. And some of y'all are scared to death that I said black and African American, but you know, don't you, William? Come on, baby. I'm so tired of all this stuff. I listen. (laughs) Again, what are we magnifying? What are we magnifying? We're magnifying all the things that that we shouldn't be magnifying. If we start magnifying, regardless of the color of our skin, socioeconomic group, that all people create in the image and likeness of God and greatness is resident in every human being. I'm having some fun up in here today. I don't know if you all are, but I ain't living for you. I'm living for him, so I'm magnifying what he told me to magnify. I don't have to justify what I magnify. You know, it'd be easy for me to, uh, and I'm not saying this arrogantly at all, apologetically, but in 2014, the worst thing that could have happened in my life that I thought never would did I could have quit, killed myself, and gone on to heaven. And you say, "Well, if you killed yourself, you go to heaven, yeah?" Because I believe in Jesus. But anyway, that's debatable to some of you. But uh, I, I I knew that that God had a destiny, and He hadn't quit on me. And there were a few people that actually climbed on board and believed that with me. And uh, one of those guys was a guy that many years ago said, "I used to watch you on television every Saturday night, and we had a big audience and a big church." And I didn't know who he was, but he texted me and he said, "I found your number." He said, I got. got called the church, and he said, uh, I need to know if you'd come and preach for me. He said, I watch you every Saturday night, and I've copied every sermon you've ever preached, and I've copied how you preach it. And he said, I, my dad died, and I was his pilot, and uh, his dad had more of a road ministry and not a, a church ministry. he would had a small church of 300 in St. Louis, and he got his pilot's license, and he piloted his dad, and he became an entrepreneur, and he said, my dad died, and I felt like God told me to keep his church alive. Would you come and preach for me? I said, I'd be glad to. So I flew to St. Louis and preached at this little church of 300 at the time. And, you know, that was substantially less than what I preached to every weekend. And, but I felt the heart of this man. So I preached for him, and here we are now over 20-some years later. He's got uh, churches all over the country, runs about 20 to 30,000 people at least every Sunday. Called me last week, and this is after after I went through everything I went through. He was one of the first guys that called me, said, I want you to come to St. Louis and preach for me. So I did. I still wasn't very healthy, but I was getting there. But he believed in me. He magnified Mark Crow. He didn't magnify Mark Crow's sin. He magnified Mark Crow. Called me last week and he said, I want you to come and preach for me. Now here's a guy with a lot to lose, if you will. But what he said and what he preaches and what he lives is this: we don't look at what people have done wrong we look at a God who made them right. And he made you right, and he said, I want you to come and preach for me. Now, you know, it would have been a big deal to me years ago about the numbers, but the big deal now to me is the relationship that he magnified me. He didn't magnify my sin. And, uh, and you know, I, I wish I could get this in everybody, is that people are going to make mistakes. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they're And and we we throw them under the bus. And the reality is, quit magnifying what people do. Start magnifying who they are because they were created in the image and likeness of God. They're children that God created. And we need to magnify them. We need to speak to the destiny that is yet to be. The destiny that is broken to pieces. And we need to help put that back together. And that's why we call this Mosaic Church. A bunch of broken human beings that God put in a building. To make a beautiful picture of his redemption. And so I don't tolerate, put up with, listen to people who disparage other people. You can say, but here's what they've done. And can't you don't you know this yeah i know what they've done But more importantly, I know who they were meant to be. I know who they were created to be. And I'm going to do my part like Jesus did. He didn't come to earth and look at humanity and go, you bunch of sinners. I'm here to address your sin. He didn't do that. He said, I'm here to die for your sin. I'm here to take it upon myself. I'm here to set you free. I believe in you. We're not going to have discussions about your sin. We're going to have discussions about your redemption. That's why I came is to bring liberty to the captives to set you free. We didn't come to talk about your Egypt. We didn't come to talk about your losses. We came to talk about and die for your future and your destiny. If we are called to be like Jesus, that's what we're called to do. Is magnify the redemption available to humanity. I'm just telling you, this ain't over, baby. Let me tell you something, the devil ain't going to win. Before this whole thing goes up in smoke, there's going to be a move of God. And what I'm loving right now, and I've noticed this, and if you haven't noticed it, I'm loving it. Historically, I've been through several revivals from Pensacola to Kansas City to Toronto. And all these revivals had a name with it. But now what's happening across the country From the beaches in California to the streets of New York City, hundreds of people gathering to worship Jesus, and there is no name with it except his name. There is nobody that they're interviewing. They're talking about Jesus. We don't need another name. We have the name that is above every name. We don't need another celebrity. We don't need another hero. We have a superhero, and he is the King of kings and Lord of lords and the only one worthy to be magnified and praised. scary, baby. I'm going to tell you, my wife tells me about putting on makeup. And they had these magnifying mirrors. Man, I looked in one one time, and I said, I wouldn't wear makeup if I had to look in this every morning. (laughs) I'd have to overcome looking at the blemishes and the wrinkles and all that. And I'd like, dear Jesus, just put it on. I'd get a spray thing and just paint it. I said, you are so courageous. I said, now, honey, you're beautiful. You can get by with it. I couldn't. I'm looking more like a Sharpei than a Basset hound. <laughs> but it shows everything, and, and so we get all freaked out. And that's what I think lost people look at the church and go, it'd be look like looking into a woman's makeup mirror. I'm going to see every bad thing I've ever done. No, when you look into his mirror, you're going to see every beautiful thing he made you to be because God doesn't shame anybody. God doesn't shame anybody. He's an awesome God. He loves you. He knows every sin you've ever committed, and he couldn't love you more. Some religious people say when you sin, it separates you from God. I'm going to tell you what I found in my sin. God squeeze me tighter than He ever squeezed me. He says, I'll never let you go. Don't think for a minute you can outsend my blood or my cross. Don't you think for a minute what you've done supersedes what I've done, overpowers what I've done. I'm a good God and you're a good person, and I'm going to suck the good right out of you. I'm going to go in, get it, and I'm going to pull on it. He ain't never going to quit. He ain't never going to quit. Boy, I wish I'd have known it was going to go this way. I'd have had my son up on that organ, and we'd be dancing right now. (laughs) And any of you that have some Baptist background, going, dear God, if I ever see anybody on the organ, I'm leaving now. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I probably ought to quit because I'm going to tell you, I got enough info here to just do a whole week. But anyway, uh, look. Here's the deal. When you come into this church, we're gonna make some mistakes. I'm gonna tell you we have the best sound guy in the country, in my opinion, and I think you ought to love him on the way out. Kyle, thanks, buddy. You do a great job every week. You know, it's it's a hard job, and I hear people and it just makes me mad and I have to watch my madness and I love what Brandon and all these guys do every Sunday. They give their heart and life to this place. Don't you criticize them. You magnify the fact they get up every Sunday and they give you worship and they give you music and they give you stuff. And you need to thank them and you need to magnify that. And don't judge them. Don't criticize them. They giving it their all. All they're asking is just give it your all with us. You say, Pastor, you preached too long, you said something, you should. said, magnify what I did say that you liked. That one sentence that jumped out at you, amidst of all the 35,000 sentences I said, Pastor, you said that one thing. And it changed my life. Amen. That's what we got to do. We're too busy with our prejudices, judging people, determining whether they're right or wrong, going to heaven or hell. That's not my job. My one job in life is to love everybody I come in contact with, and I'll love the hell out of them. If it never comes out, I'm going to keep loving them. I don't want to be one of those churches, man, I went there and the people were. No, these people here are going to hug you so much you might think about not coming back. I mean, these people are mushy. Yeah, I'm mushy for God, baby. <sighs> we, uh, we serve an incredible God to beyond all we could think, ask, or imagine. Man, make it count. When you get up in the morning, if you have to buy a magnifying glass, I'm going to keep this with me all the time now. And whenever I start thinking about criticizing Susan, I'm gonna go like, uh, no, don't, I, yeah, okay. Well, honey, that you look good. <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. Some of y'all need to go home and flirt with your spouse. <laughs> you, hey, where's the meal? <laughs> you need to go, honey, honey. I gotta tell you that magnifying mirror. I'm gonna tell you, I see something different. I tell you, I don't see one wrinkle there. I don't see anything bad. I see it's all good. Because I guarantee you, we all got something we don't like about somebody. Stop it. Go home and flirt. They'll freak out. They'll ask you, "Are you medicated? Did you get you one of them legal cards? <laughs> are you on <going> wacky? <laughs> what are you doing?" You're getting that tobacco, aren't you, huh, huh? (laughs) Listen, we ought to just, it ought to be that good. And you say, they don't deserve it, neither do you, neither do I. We don't love people based on what they deserve. We don't show mercy to people that we like. We show mercy to all people. As a matter of fact, the ones who deserve it least need it the most. Don't ever forget that give it. Give it. That's what Jesus did. He came and he gave us grace. He didn't make us earn it. He didn't sell it. He didn't make us buy it. He just came and gave it out. He throws it. He's still throwing it out there today. And people are rejecting it because they magnify their guilt and their shame instead of his grace and his mercy. Bless God every day. I'm going to magnify his grace and mercy because I need a dose and a dose and a dose. I need like four times a day. It's better than an antibiotic. You got something going on Just think, I'm going to take a Jesus tablet, (laughs) pop a grace pill, (laughs) inject some Jesus juice. (laughs) Okay. Shut up, Mark. Okay. Magnify the good moments today. I'm letting you out right now. Let's pray. (laughs) Lord, thank you. You're awesome. You are so awesome. And, Lord, we just want to magnify your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your strength, your hope, your life, your love, your joy, your peace. God, thank you for giving us another day to breathe and experience life. Some of these people are going through really tough times. It would be easy to focus and magnify those. But, Lord, as we magnify you, those will begin to fade. Doesn't mean they go away, but they'll fade away. And as we focus on you, we begin to exercise faith in you. We'll see the change. And then one day, they won't just fade. They'll disappear. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We never close a service without you having an opportunity to receive Jesus. So I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. And I don't want you to whisper it. Don't act like, well, people think I'm lost. Listen, I wake up every day knowing that without Him, I would be totally lost. So every time I pray this prayer, it's like I pray it for the first time. Pray it with me. Say, Father God, thank You so much for loving me so much that You gave Your only Son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank You for giving Your life for me. Today, I give my life to You. I repent of my sin. I declare today, I am saved. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or rededicate your life, please text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Fill out the information, and we'll be praying for you throughout the week. We're not hounding you. We don't send out letters asking for money, none of that stuff. We care about you. And so, please do that. Text the word SAVED, 405-513-10. Make it happen today, okay? Uh, if you're in-house, in a moment, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage. I want to encourage you to go visit with one of them and say, man, today I gave my life to Jesus. Pray for me, all right? At this time, I'm going to receive our tithes and offerings. Um, I'll make it really simple for you. Um, the QR code on the back of the screen, uh, you can put your smartphone on there, and it'll take you to a giving platform. Uh... And it's real easy to do. You can do it any time of the week, day, hour of the night, whatever. Uh, but uh, you can go there. Tech, uh, if you can't, that doesn't work. Text GIVE to 405-546-2226. There on the screen, 405-546-2226. You can give on your way out. If you're in-house, you can also mail your giving to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City, 73132. Okay? Uh, and before I forget... There's a sisterhood uh, get-together, and that is happening um, December the 6th. So put that on your calendar at 6.30 here at the church. Also tomorrow, they're decorating the tree and redoing our lobby for Christmas. If you can help, uh, please go to the welcome kiosk and tell Debbie or go to the kids' kiosk tell Suli. I can be here tomorrow with time, and they'll give you the times on that. Also, I want to let you know way ahead of time, Christmas Day we will be doing one service, our Christmas Eve, uh, one service at 10 a.m. on Christmas Eve Sunday. Uh, bring your kids. It will be a short hour of worship and have fun Christmas hymns and songs and stuff. And then also on uh, New Year's Eve, there will be uh, one service at 10. And so just want you to get down on your calendar ahead of time. We're we'll celebrating it all together at one time. It'd be a great time for our church family, 9, 30, and 11, to get together. And prayerfully, it will not rain. Uh, oh, let me include, and will not snow. Oh, let me include. It's Oklahoma and not ice. Uh, Include Oklahoma, and and it won't be 900-mile-an-hour winds. Okay, so anyway, uh, just wanted to let you know those things. Also, if you would like to serve... Uh, and, and I would encourage you to serve. It's why we do two services anyway, work one, worship one. Uh, you can text the word serve to that same number, 405 10 And once you do that, it will direct you to fill out information, and we'll call you and get you plugged in. Plenty of places to serve, from driving a golf cart, greeting, ushering, working, welcome kiosk, and hospitality, and preaching. No, not, not preaching. Um, I got that one so anyway uh, do that if you would let's stand to our feet if this is your first time here uh, you can pick up a, a, a gift at the welcome kiosk thank you for coming and being a part of this uh, our prayer team again is over to my left if you need prayer for any reason go see them let's go out with a shout one two three hallelujah hello this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.